Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Big 5D Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Laughlin. I'm the content director at Big 5 Digital. Welcome back. It's been a minute since our last episode. So we've got a good one for you today. We're talking to Simon Ellis, and he is CEO of a company called SmartWage. And what they do is something called Earned Wage Access. And that's a platform that allows employers to give their employees early access to wages that they've already earned. It's something that's increasingly common around the world, and several of these companies have popped up recently in South Africa, in the last few years at least. And they serve a vital role because many uh, wage earners in South Africa run out of money before their uh, 30-day pay period ends, and they're often caught without funds to even pay for transportation to work. And instead of turning to payday lenders who charge usurious interest rates, earned wage, earned wage access platforms give them an option that's more affordable and more fair. So it's a really good uh, impact business. And what we talk, get into with Simon is, is, is it a good business business? So uh, you'll be interested in the conversation. We really dig into what the business is all about. So we hope you enjoy it. Before we turn to the interview, I want to make a couple quick notes about upcoming events for Big Five Digital. Again, we're looking to come back to live events in 2022. We've already put uh, the Big Five Summit in Cape Town, May 16th through 18th. We've already reserved the space on the VNA waterfront. Stay tuned for much more on that in the coming months. And we're also finalizing plans for a Q1 event in the MENA region. We'll uh, have more to say on that in a couple weeks' time. So keep your eye out for announcements from us on our social channels and through your email inbox or wherever you get uh, information about Big Five Digital. Keep an eye out because we've got some great events coming up next year. So without further ado, let's go to our interview with Simon. Thanks. Simon, welcome to the show. Charles, thanks for having me. Great. We're happy to have you. So we find you in London, is that correct? Correct, in the middle of a heat wave, and it's fantastic. <laughs> well, a uh, warm London summer is better than a cold one, I would imagine. So uh, haven't been there in a while. Look forward to going back soon. So anyway, we, the reason we're having you on today is you're the founder, co-founder, I guess, and CEO of SmartWage, which is a earned wage access platform. And we're going to get into what that is and what kind of business that is in a minute. But let's just begin with a little bit about your background. Just kind of walk us through. Um, you're based in London, but you're uh, from South Africa, and uh, I assume. And uh, uh, to talk about your early career, kind of what led you up to the, your uh, becoming an entrepreneur. Great. Uh, well, I grew up in South Africa, as you said. I went to university in Stellenbosch, uh, took a year off traveling. Um, it was probably a, quite a pivotal point for me and then moved to London um, early 2015 to work at Deloitte and, and I was in finance for about four years there. Um, did a fair bit of traveling and sort of got experience in, um, I, I guess, learning how business works. Um, but quite quickly realized that my passion was really kind of figuring out how to solve problems in, in interesting ways and um, kind of started working with a bunch of startups um early on in my career and, and realized it was something that i wanted to do and, and sort of the bridge came when i uh left deloitte and went back to south africa to work for a um student accommodation marketplace called digs connect and that was really the um the blossoming that was where i got excited about um you know the potential 
that a startup has a team that's nimble and passionate about what they're doing to, to actually make a big difference in the world. Um, I then worked with a couple of other startups to help them raise capital and, and quite quickly uh, stumbled across earned wage access and realized that was something that you know South Africans desperately needed and, and that we were, we, I could build a team that could do that. And uh, so that's what we've done or, or what we're trying to do. Okay, let's go back to stumbled on earned wage access. Tell us a little more about what what that stumbling experience was was all about. Um, so, a company called WageStream, which is which is kind of the market leader in the UK, it's been around. I think they founded in about 2017, but in mid 2019 they raised their Series A, uh, which was about 51 million dollars. And at the time, I was speaking to a friend of mine who was uh, on the VC side. There was six VCs vying for a for a spot on their cap table. And uh, she, she came across and told me about this wonderful idea. And I thought, uh, I, you know, the first question I had was why wasn't this everywhere? Um, and that was the, that was the moment I sort of thought, mm. and I, you know, you, you do the mom test and go and t- tell a whole lot of friends about this, this concept of earned wage access. And I have still to this date, I haven't had anyone say, Hmm, you know, that's not a good idea. Um, obviously there's nuance to it, but, Sure, but of course. there's very few ideas that have have that kind of potential. And you think it's just pure luck that no one had done it yet, or just good timing? Well, there the, the, there was a couple of people doing it, but okay. you know, I think applying a um, a concept, you know, earned wage access is a concept. It's been around in the states since 2011, and in the right. UK since 2016, 2017. But applying it in an African context where you have heavy data and device constraints um, is very different. And so, you know, while there are a couple of competitors doing it. We realized you, you know you had to um, do things very differently to to try and um, adapt the product and, and the solution to the, uh, the South African market or the, within the African context. Okay, so we're going to get into that in a minute, but let's uh, start at uh, defining why this is such a big need uh, in South Africa. Well, I think um, maybe kind of taking a, a big step back. Financial inclusion is is something governments talk about. It's it's something a lot of fintechs are trying to solve and. Um, if you look at the um, industry, you've got a booming payday lending industry. Um, we've all heard the, the horror stories about what get you know people get charged, and, and the reason why that industry exists is because uh, the 30-day pay cycle hasn't been challenged. It hasn't been challenged for 100 years. 100 years ago, you you know you worked a day, and at the end of the day, you got paid your cash. Uh, and today, it's 30 days, and and now, um, un- unfortunately, there's a large part of the market which is underserved. So. Uh, halfway through the month, you need you need money. Most people go to payday lenders and, and loan sharks, and it puts them in this cycle, which uh, unfortunately becomes very difficult to get out of. Um, and, and that's you need really another payday loan to, to keep <laughs> exactly to, because that last exactly. one ate up all the earnings. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, so that's really where it's come about. And unfortunately, because of the risk involved with that, the, the rates that people are charging are very, very high. And so, earned wage access really changes consumer risk into corporate risk. Um, and does so uh, in, a, in a way that benefits both the consumer and the business or the employer. And the 30, uh, the question, because earn wage access platforms exist in plenty of places where there isn't a 30 day wage cycle, right? Um, where there's a two week wage cycle. Uh, so that's not the requirement for this model to work necessarily, right? A fixed pay cycle. So, so in South Africa, you've got 80, 80, 80% of employers are, are sort of on a fixed pay cycle, uh, being 30 days, you know, we've got by, we've got companies or companies that are offering, you know, weekly salaries or biweekly salaries, and the same problem exists, it's just not as big. 
Right. Got it. Okay. So um, let's get into sort of how the business works. So a good place to start is uh, who's paying for this? So it depends. It, it depends on, you know, we typically encourage uh, employers to pay. Um, South Africans, you know, it's going through a tough time at the moment. As you know, employers are not really that keen to pay, uh, but um, we do have a bunch of employees. So the answer to your question is it depends because it's either the employer or the employee, but someone does pay. If it's an employee that pays typically, um, and it's across the board, all of the end wage access providers are, are circa sort of five to 10 times cheaper than a regulated payday loan alternative um, and a whole lot cheaper than your unregulated alternatives. Um, and and yeah, typically, um, you know, the progressive, innovative employers who 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 understand the benefits that this gives an employee end up paying for the solution themselves. Okay, and and so let's just get into that a little more. So I'm an employer; I choose to pay because um, I, you know, I see the benefit and all the, uh, the all the benefits of having a happier, more stable workforce, et cetera. I feel it's worth me paying for it. So, what is it? A subscription? Uh, plan is it a per incident you know uh, so at the mo yeah absolutely spot on Charles so we're at the moment it's a subscription fee uh, it's, a, it's a fixed sub subscription fee per person uh, per registered uh, active employee um, we're actually potentially changing our model um, because unfortunately we have you know varying degrees of, of salary ranges we've got those that earn three and a half thousand rand a month and those that earn twenty thousand rand a month both operating on the same model and so unit economics don't necessarily always tie up. Um, what is quite clear is that the consumer is willing to pay and willing to pay a fair bit. And, and so we're trying to find the line between um, making enough margin to keep a business going and, and, and have a decent business while, while being very responsible. How can we offer this to employees in ways um, you know, that, that they benefit at the end of the day? Ultimately, if you think about the long term benefits of this model, if we aren't benefiting the consumer, the businesses will kick us out. Um, so, so I'm inferring that the, the easier path for you is to charge the employee versus the employer. Much easier path. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So and what you're trying to do is find that sweet spot between margin and being too close to the us usurious um, uh, pay, right? So yeah, it's kind of finding that, that happy. What is that process like and how close are you to figuring it out? Um, I think we're, you know, super early market in South Africa. The, the market's very nascent. Most employers that we speak to haven't heard of haven't heard of earned wage access before. Mm -hmm. um, the couple of employers that took up our product early on is sort of are the early innovators, and in fact, all of them have switched over from the employees paying to the employers paying, uh, which is you know indicative, hopefully, of what will come down the line. Um, they're starting to see tangible benefits for. For their staff and for their employees mm -hmm. but the conversation up front um, especially if you're going into a competitive bid uh, one's charging the employee and one's charging the employer becomes quite a difficult sell okay so um, unless you have a, a, a very very anything right correct. versus okay and that's always the, the challenge right even if ultimately that's not true or maybe it's not in the long-term best interest of the business it's it's much easier to say yes to the thing that costs you nothing right so that's exactly. your, your big competitive challenge okay so um so but just quickly back to the employee 
what currently what now is it a fixed fee is it a percentage basis um... so the, we operate two models a subscription model 30 rand per um, registered employee per month uh, that unlimited transactions um, and a minimum amount of 100 rand we we cap the amount that you can access at 25 percent of what you've actually earned right. so if you've worked for five days you've only earned five days of of earnings um, and the other model is a three percent transaction fee charge so three percent of the amount advanced um, and we've got employers on both models. Okay, but the, this is the employee paid or the employer paid? I'm sorry. Again, both. Okay. So Either for way, both models, okay. and in fact, and in fact, there's yeah. a hybrid of both as well. Okay. Um, so in some instances, you know, the employer pays half the subscription fee and half the okay. uh, and the employee pays half. Okay. Interestingly, in the states, there's a number of models. You know, you've got models where it's completely free. You've got a you know some of the platforms do donations that that doesn't work in South Africa. Um, but yeah, I think there's a number of ways, you know, there's a high demand for the product in mm -hmm. the hands of the employee, less so in the hands of the employer as okay. it stands. That's becoming clear that, that, that there's an easy path and then maybe there's the ultimately the correct path, right? Um, okay, so uh, the big question I have is um, kind of behind the scenes, that these earned wage is the important piece here it's money already earned you know it's not future wages it's earned wages right that money has been committed right but where is the money and who is fronting are you fronting the money is this a finance play or is this just the or the employer providing the how does that you know the part we don't see how does that work great question um so we integrate with an employer's payroll system uh, or time and attendance system to understand exactly how how much someone's earned at any point during the month. Uh, those integrations can be semi-automatic. When I say semi-automatic, it's essentially flat file integration uh, where you're uploading CSVs and exchanging data on a, on a regular basis. Um, and the second part of the integration uh, and preferred path is an API integration. Um, but every uh, system is, is very nuanced and, and very complex. Um, so that's how it typically works. Um, Smart wage, or, or in fact, all of the end wage access providers are fronting the money ourselves. So we've got a debt fund that that funds the advances. And uh, the same day that an employer would pay their employees, they pay uh, us back. And so it's so, like buy now, pay later. <laughs> it's exactly well, you know, buy now, pay later is essentially disrupting what we're doing. Um, because why do you need access to your money if you can buy now, pay later? Except that buy now, pay later is limited to certain things. Uh, right, and yeah, it's not for everything yet, though. It's, it's, it's being applied to more and more things. I, every day I see a new uh, uh, application of BNPL, but the point, the point I was making is about the, fronting the, the purchase, basically, in, in your case, you're fronting the exactly. wages. So, so talk to about the big challenges for this business, because my first thought is you're, you're using debt to pay for their wages. Now you're getting reimbursed. Um, I assume the fees cover your cost of funds, right? Um, but it, it sounds low margin. So talk to me about what, talk to me. Well, about I think the, the first thing is, as I mentioned earlier on, it's sort of swapping consumer, consumer risk for corporate risk, right? So, so uh, you have very low uh, defaults on, on the corporate side. Um, and uh, the turnaround uh, is typically pretty small as well. So, you know, the second or third week in the month is typically when most of the advances happen. A payday usually between the 25th and 30th. So you're only actually um, facilitating 
uh, essentially or taking out debt for a short portion. Um, the, the real challenge for us is, is getting big employers uh, to understand the benefits of the solution. Um, and the second part uh, is then getting the solution into the hands of employees. South Africa is a um, relatively you know, financially illiterate population as well as digitally illiterate population and uh, have, have been taken advantage of for the past 30 years by payday lenders and mushroomesses, and so are very skeptical of even the best financial institutions. Okay. You often see people lining up at the bank at the end of the month because they were, you know, withdrawing all their money because they worried the bank's going to take all their money. So there's an inherent skepticism there. So introducing yeah. a new concept uh, and a new product, unless we have a significant amount of trust for our users, is very difficult. On the point of, um, you know, what makes this. An interesting proposition from an investor standpoint is once you get distribution and once you build credibility with your user base, um, that it, you become the trusted source of where someone looks to when they uh, look for money. So you know, at, you know, I need money. Where do I go? Smart wage, and that means you have the ability to upsell it. You know, a number of financial services products that's or investment products uh, down the line. Okay, that's where I was going to take it next. Is like, this is great, but. <laughs> What do you add on to it to, to add some scale and to add some, you know, uh, to get more out of that average uh, customer uh, spend or whatever it is. So, so talk about, so like a Robin Hood, like investor product is another potential application. Um, I would love to say yes. You know, in South Africa, that's, uh, I think that's a, a slightly, well, let's take a step. We're kind of going after a, a you know, relatively uneducated population. Okay, that's who, a step further you know, than it's a step, it may be a step too far, but offering yeah, okay. uh, insurance products or very basic investment products or savings products that are, that are understandable by the target market mm -hmm. and are easily accessible is where we're going. So, you know, we've got someone who's used our product for 12 months and we say, Hey, um, you know, would you like uh, access to a funeral insurance product that's currently three times cheaper than your product? Or okay. um, would you like access to a term loan uh, if they need a term loan? Now, now the, the key part here again is we have the payroll deduction, which means that we can reduce our risk on the lending side uh, on, on, the, on a loan facility. You can, get, you can get first in line. Sort of. Correct. And if you think about what neobanks are doing, you know, the biggest problems that some of the best neobanks in the world have is that they are struggling to get salaries deposited into their accounts. So they, uh, one, one way around that is to partner up with uh, companies like ourselves to get people depositing their salary directly into the account for free. Uh, and then you can make money on a, a typical way a bank would interchange and um, and so there's a number of ways to monetize down the line. The key is getting the distribution early on. Okay. So this is a distribution game now. Could you be successful just doing the EWA piece long-term? Is that interesting? Yeah. It, it certainly yeah, is. Yeah, we yeah. initially, our initial proposition was um, charge very low for, for EWA and, and monetize down the line. Um, I think something that probably works a bit better in the States that it does in a uh, low capital environment like South Africa. Um, it's the unit economics are pretty, pretty amazing actually with just EWA, but down the line, you want to, you know, want to be the most affordable product in the market and you want to really build trust with your users. Uh, and ultimately our, our ultimate goal would be able to, um, upsell using additional products in future. Um, so the EWA product is the starting point. It is, it's profitable. Um, but the, uh, you know, the big ticket is, is the ability to upsell. If I'm an products. investor, that's what's getting my uh, 
That's your, yeah. getting me to lean in and listen. Exactly. This, this that opportunity. Okay, that's fair. What we probably haven't talked about enough, um, we can get into a little bit, is um, this notion of what's in it for the employer. We kind of we alluded to it, um, but there is a whole conversation about how much they would benefit from having, you know, uh, a workforce that isn't, um, you know, accessing payday loans and having that degree of financial instability in their lives. Can, have you, how much of that have you sort of documented as, as, as a benefit to the employer and, and, and is it resonating? But talk about that a little bit. So, I mean, the first thing is, uh, you know, stressed employees financially or otherwise are, you know, not productive, um, regardless of what environment they're in. So if we can reduce that stress, obviously there's a, there's a, there's a benefit for the employer. Um, but what actually, interestingly, what we found is um, we've got a lot of people who dial in just to check their balance, just to check how much they've actually earned. Um, and the, the, the key sort of benefit for an employer has productivity. Um, if I had to ask you, Charles, you know, you know, what do you earn on a daily basis? Most people can't tell you, but you're now starting to see, um, how much you earn every day. And you realize there's this, there's this, um, correlation between work and pay. And so there's an increase in productivity off the back of it. Every day worked is another day I've, I've sort of earned money, but the big, the big one in South Africa, um, again, for the target market we're going after is um, absenteeism. The number one cause of absenteeism in South Africa is uh, no money for transport, um, which talks to the problem we're trying to solve. And, and this solves that problem. And so we've started to see uh, a significant increase in uh, uh, the reduction in absenteeism uh, at, at the employers we're working with. Uh, and on average, we estimate we're we are sort of solve, um, saving employees about 300 rand per month that they would have alternatively spent on payday lenders. Um, we're trying to quantitatively understand from our users, you know, what's happened to their spending behavior and, and their and their budgeting behavior since using smart wage and the results are very promising. Um, and interestingly, if you think about, you know, we give people access to 25% of their, their net pay, most people are accessing just less than 11%. Um, and so, so it's being used relatively responsibly with about 2.5 advances per month. Okay, so it's, you know, I've read different things, but talk about where the, the main things that it's being, that, that early access to funds, what's it being spent on? So one of the questions we ask our um, uh, users at the end of every journey is, what are you spending the funds on? And over 30% is, is transport um, and close to 30% is uh, groceries. Um, and then the, the next biggest expense is emergencies. Now, this is self-reported, so it's very difficult to um, right. ascertain may, uh, how, how you know. um, certain things, but, but it's probably broadly accurate, right? So Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then the, obviously the system obviously flags up those users that are potentially using it every day or have, you know, taken max, maxed out two months in a row. And we then flag those users and actually try and deal with them separately. So we're trying to add additional services. We've got a debt consolidation service with one of our partners that works, you know, free to the employee, free to the employer, and actually works with a, with a distressed employee who we recognized through our system to, to try and figure out, you know, what debt obligations do they have and how can we work with this person to solve it. Um, and over time, you try and do this all in an automated fashion. Okay. So what kind of partnerships do you envision? Uh, you kind of alluded to the neobanks, um, but what kind of partnerships could make this business stronger? Uh, or anything you can talk about that's in the works or on your... So um, we've, been least? we've been approached by a couple of sort of larger financial institutions who... Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, as an example, a, a bank would, would uh, as, for the reasons mentioned earlier, would, would it's a great product. Um, if, if people are struggling to get deposits paid into bank accounts and we can facilitate instant access to payments, because South Africa's banking infrastructure is relatively legacy, uh, instant payments are, are not really, they are a thing, but they are, there is a significantly, uh, well, there's an extra charge. So employees typically, you know, if they request the money today, they get it tomorrow. And so as a bank, if we use the same rails, so it's a fantastic way for banks to, um, I guess, swap bank accounts. Um, we've looked into a bunch of employer, employer benefit providers. Um, so, so companies, aggregators that work with employers to provide, you know, medical aid schemes or um, other um, employee benefits. Um, and then the last one is insurance. Uh, same thing, thinking about distribution um, through a number of ways. And again, exploring interesting conversations with uh, providers who essentially have existing distribution and recognize that the people that they serve would need access to this, the key being access to payroll systems, which is which is a, um, a tough nut to crack. Mm -hmm. Are most big employers using a third-party payroll system? I imagine so. Using a third-party payroll system with an in-house payroll team. Right, okay. So uh, you, everyone here always hates this question, but what are your biggest risks? Um, you're a disruptor in a way, but who can disrupt you? Uh, you know, there's always, if you're starting an e-commerce business, you know, you always, how can you, you know, live in an Amazon? <laughs> no, it's a, it's, so, so, you know, what's the equivalent question for you, I guess? So the, the, I think the biggest risk is that your largest payroll providers start providing the service themselves. Um, so how do they, you know, how does an ADP, a Sage, an Oracle begin to do it themselves? And, and you are starting to do some of that some of them do it however it's a completely different business model they are b2b uh they've now got to take on a whole b2c angle b2b2c angle which is completely different to what they've previously done um and it's i haven't seen any big players do it effectively um i guess if i look to the states well, I, someone I, like can i just stop you there why is that i mean i mean i remember um i've had conversations with you know smme lenders and they talk about how big banks just can't get their heads around small loans, right? You know, is it a similar kind of challenge? I mean, talk about why is it so hard for them to do that? It seems like it wouldn't be. I think it's a fundamental pivot to their business model. They mm -hmm. typically have these sort of outsourced, they have these consultants that go and find business and work with businesses too. And now they've got to go a whole further layer uh, deeper to get to the employee. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, it's a completely different uh, model that would require either a, a sort of, you know, they purchase someone and, and or acquire someone and plug it in or building their own system. And, and, it, and it is nuanced. There are a lot of um, small things, especially in a South African context, that um, I think the big players are too, uh, too slow to, um, to, to sort of move to. Um, if you look at someone in the States like Gusto, Gusto probably the they best example yeah, yeah. of a a, a payroll provider who are, mm -hmm. are have now moved into the space, mm -hmm. but they are again one of the most innovative companies right. in America, and it's taken them a couple of years to get to this point. Um, whereas it's been around for eight or nine years, so I can't, I don't foresee uh, the biggest payroll providers um, making a big change to this. Um, you know, we estimate there's about five five and a half thousand businesses that would that fall into our target market in South Africa. Um, and that's dispersed amongst 
uh, a handful of payroll providers, but uh, each payroll provider, Sage, for example, has 10 different Sage yeah. systems. And so it's, it's, it's so relatively Sage, complex. They're more likely to try to acquire you than to build it themselves. I would think so. I would think so. And, and interestingly, actually, there's still a lot of on-premise uh, payroll systems. So they haven't even migrated to the cloud yet, let alone uh, thinking about right, right, you know, right. disrupting. So th I think there's still a few few steps behind. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, so the, a few more questions around your business. One is, um, to, well, first of all, you know, what is your path to scale and, and how much are you going to have to raise a lot more money? Um, are you sort of in the process of raising another round? Kind of talk about that as much as you can. Um, so uh, path to scale is um, raising some more money as a starting point. Um, we've, built a, we've built a great team so far. Um, but to, to, to really scale, we need to raise a significant debt fund. Um, and um, we are actually in the process of going out to raise what we'll go out in the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. um, it took some time for us to get the technology right and to learn exactly what the consumer wants. Um, again, talk, talking to the nuances of, of what a South African digitally illiterate low-income worker needs to use in order to, to use the product. Um, from a, one of the big blockers to scale is, again, the ability for us to convince users in that low-income bracket to use the product. Um, and so there is a, you know, while digital activations certainly work, they only work to a certain extent and we actually have to go on site and undertake digital activations. So in certain environments. Um, but uh, the, big, the biggest um, risk at this stage is, is the big B2B sales, finding, you know, South Africa's largest listed entities with, you know, tens of thousands of employees and convincing them that this is a product that their consumers or their employees need. Um, and I think it'll take a couple of years before the markets properly turns. Um, right. And you're, you're going after, you know, reasonably sized enterprises. Is there a smaller business play for this? Is it just too hard to sell into that market? Is it too hard to serve a, someone who has 10, 20, 30, 50 employees versus... It's actually much easier to sell, much, much easier to sell, but the administrative burden behind signing someone up and then the, the risk as well of, of those, um, you know, the risk of taking on a smaller um, SME that, you know, may not have the right processes in place or pay their employees on time or uh, mm. is too high. So we, we are, we only work with companies with 200 or more employees at this stage. Um, down the line, a, a sort of a self checkout option. Uh, once I was the about to say it has involved. to be like a SaaS layer or something that you can do that, that makes this more self service. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's, but that's down the line. I think, you know, if we look again to the dynamics of the South African market, you've got sort of 9.7 million employees out of, out of the 15 million formerly employed that sit within the 200 plus employer market. So that's, that's right. where we're targeting. Right. Um, and we're yeah, going after, after sort of hospitality, retail, mining, manufacturing as a starting point. Yeah, no, that, that all makes perfect sense. And what about international expansion within, say, within the continent, I would imagine would be the first thought. Um, how does this work in, I don't know, name a neighboring country or an East Africa? We've had a number of inbound leads from, from Kenya, from um, Malawi, but unfortunately, the, the, first, the first potential blocker is uh, the, the work, um, the relationship between workers and their employees is a lot less formal. So, um, 
how we pay how we pay people is very different. But you're seeing you know earned wage access players pop up uh, all over the place. Um, and once you've built the technology to um, you know serve a certain type of customer, we can scale this across pretty easily. Um, we haven't scratched the surface in the South Africa, and I think it would be premature for us to start thinking internationally. But is it, um, well, even in is Africa. it on your long term? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think Nigeria and Egypt would be uh, the, the next two jurisdictions mm -hmm. to go after if we managed to crack South Africa. Okay. Interesting. So let's talk. Uh, here's a, a question that you, you can't really answer, and it's, it's unfair for you to answer it, but I read something a while back where. Um, Someone said, uh, it was on LinkedIn, or someone posted something, stop talking about um, uh, unbanked or uh, underbanked and start talking about underpaid. <laughs> and, and the point was that uh, the, the problem, the real problem to solve isn't uh, access to financial, that is a problem to solve. But the, the, the bigger point is that there, so many people are so poorly paid that they need these things. I, you know, I know that's not your problem to solve, but is that something that you think about? It's like we're, we're kind of putting Band-Aids on bigger problems. Uh, Maybe fine to ask it that way, but you must think No, I mean, it's a great question. And it's, um, it's uh, you know, it, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. But I guess if you holistically look at this and say, well, you realize that the people who are underpaid are also being underserved by players like ourselves because we're focusing on you know, a lot of the a lot of companies are focusing on building fancy apps and this right. and you know going straight after again to like like we are going after corporates or bigger employers what's happening to the smes who still have 30-day pay terms or 30-day uh, and and those are in fact the companies that need it most uh, not the 200 plus uh, companies with you know those are likely the higher paid employees uh, so you know you're right in saying that Unfortunately, underpaid is, is the first part and then underserved by not just all financial institutions, um, but even startups because of our lack of access and the risk, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully with the, the advent of sort of 5G and, and the ability for you know, data, data costs to come down and device costs to come down, Africa starts to pick up um, or adopt quicker than it currently is. I think we'll see that change, but until mm -hmm. it does, um, I think we still have a significant issue on our hands. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's ask a, a couple broader questions. Um, how would you describe the uh, the startup environment in South Africa now? Is I mean, it's obviously very active. You know, among within the continent, it's one of the top two or three markets for you know investment in, in new new companies. But what could be better um, for for companies to launch in South Africa? From a regulatory environment, from a whatever, whatever, yeah. all the major components that make it easier or hard to start a business. I mean, having lived in London for for a couple of years, that the difference in in access to capital is significant, and I think that's the starting point. Is there's is mm -hmm. reduced access to capital, and and unfortunately, um, you know, for most entrepreneurs, finding the right investors probably the biggest hurdle. Um, and investors want to take a big chunk early on at, at very low valuations, which then disincentivizes the, uh, the founders. So that's, I think, the first one. But the second one is um, talent. Uh, with the advent of, of with, with COVID, uh, a lot of talent are, are now, you know, are being poached by international companies, especially in, in the development scene, who can, yeah. who yeah, can yeah. play, you know, who can pay double what we can. 
um, and we don't really have an option. And so you, you lose out on a lot of uh, significant talent. You know, Amazon moving, uh, opening up in, in Cape Town is a fantastic thing for the ecosystem, but it's, you know, they're, they're literally paying double uh, what we can afford. And so, you know, access to talent uh, is, is tough. Uh, and then retaining that talent's even tougher. And so I think, you know, to, to incentivize people, um, yeah, I mean, Section 12J, which is the UK's equivalent of SEIS or EIS, is, is now being stopped, which is what it was a fantastic scheme to incentivize angels and to, to invest in, in startups. That's now completely stopped. So I think the government needs to step in and really, um, yeah, really incentivize and give people easy ways to, to, to start businesses. I, I I'm, saw a great thing the other day. So SAA got bailed out for, for 10 billion rand. That's equivalent of giving 100,000 entrepreneurs 100,000 rand. And I thought if you think about it that way, uh, I think we'll get a lot more economic activity out of 100,000 people than right. we would out of SAA. So, yeah, access to capital and talent. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, cool. So if you were um, starting another fintech company today, what, what area, not that you're, I'm saying you should leave earn wage access, but let's say you were. What do you think the uh, most interesting sort of early bubbling up opportunities in fintech are? Or maybe even broader than outside of fintech, but sort of in that broad space. Great question. I, I think Africa, to, as a, a geographically speaking, as a starting point, is, is still completely untapped. And I think there's a lot of business models that you could apply from the US and, and Europe to, to, the, uh, to Africa. Um, in terms of a uh, specific business model, I actually don't have an answer for you, but I think the use, uh, we are still operating on very old school models uh, in so many different ways. Um, the way we pay is one of them, but um, the way we deliver, the way we fly, the way we book, the way we do anything in, in South Africa and Africa is five to 10 years behind. Um, I, I'm, I really do hope that uh 5g and ai uh levels the playing field but i worry it does quite the opposite so until we um until we sort of educate our workforce and give them tangible skills that they can use um i think africa has a as a hard road ahead yeah 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 so given covid and everything how much time are you spending uh in south africa I imagine not as much now as you'd like to no, I was actually meant to fly back uh, two nights ago, and obviously because of the protests and COVID, I didn't. But I was—I should be there about half my time. Um, I was back for about four or five months over over summer, um, and I've been back once or twice since. So I, I tend to go back in normal times, uh, sort of once a month or once every two months. Um, but at the moment, unfortunately, it's been a couple of months since I've um, yeah. touched ground on on home soil. Well, I think by the end of the year, things should be better, I would, I would hope. It's upset. Yeah, it's yeah. upset. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning about your company. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for all the questions. I appreciate it. Great.